Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last third Wednesday gathering. We'd love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more info, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 510-510. We hope you enjoyed this episode, but be sure to join us next month for FCYA third Wednesday. We'll see you soon. All right, everybody. Welcome once again to Third Wednesday. It's great to see you. Thanks for making it a priority to be here tonight. It's always special to get a chance to gather as a young adults community. And uh, I'm mindful tonight of people that may have made it out on the back of an invite. Uh, Tonight is a really special night. And uh, I also want to greet everybody that may be listening back to this by way of our podcast. It's fun to have all of our online friends and family. Can we greet the people on the podcast tonight? There we go. Well, tonight, each time that we gather is special, not just because this only happens uh, once a month, but also because it's celebration night tonight, and we are celebrating. It was a great reason to celebrate. Uh, We have two people celebrating. And let me just teach you a church rule. If one person celebrates... We all got to celebrate. So come on, it's celebration night. And uh, really what that means is uh, we're kind of concluding what God did this summer in season two. Maybe you were with us. We did a whole series on summer love and relationships. And tonight is kind of a a month to take a pause and celebrate what God has done in our groups and uh, celebrate what God has done even through uh, the last couple third Wednesdays. And uh, tonight is even more special because after the service tonight, don't leave too quickly. We've got some uh, food trucks available. Just five bucks, you can get a whole meal. Come on, somebody. TK Burgers, Frankie's Frozen Treats are here. And uh, it be an awesome time to kind of just celebrate before we do the whole back-to-school thing and uh, get ready. But even more than any of those reasons, I'm excited tonight because I am joined here with a friend of mine, Pastor Landon McDonald, is with us. And uh, let me do my intro. Um, one thing that I think is amazing is it seems like everywhere that I go, Chicago people always seem to find each other. There are a few Chicago people in the room tonight. They, we have found each other. And uh, Pastor Landon is a Chicago native, but he pastors uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. He's an incredible teacher of the Bible, student of the Bible, and uh, it's really an honor to have you here tonight. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I grew up Baptist, so I'm very uncomfortable with being praised while I'm in front of people. So um, that, that bothers me. Um, thank you so much for having me. Honored to meet all of you. I was very excited to be invited to be here tonight. I want to know, do you ever feel like there's moments where um, you feel like your Midwest comes out more than other times? Absolutely, yeah. When people are consuming like extremely thin hamburgers that there never was any pinkness in the middle of, and you're just like, you know, okay, you know, you can stack them as high as you want. It's not right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this. Chicago won the greatest food city in the United States two mm-hmm. years in a row. I think this Absolutely. Is the second year. Yes. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm on a pastor's salary, so I couldn't afford any of that food. (laughs) But I heard from the people that attended my church that it was great. Yes. Well, we met this past summer at a uh, conference, a part of the, some of the team that you're on with Theos U. And uh, I think one of the things that just struck me from the moment I first heard you teaching is that uh, you can tell that there's a really deep love for God's word. I know that's a passion of yours to give people a chance to hear the story of God. And uh, that's really, I think, I, I would hope to say that would be true of all pastors, but it is unique for you. And it's special that I, I, I want to celebrate. And it's also the reason that you're here tonight. Um, can you give maybe just by way of introduction for all of us here tonight, talk to us a little bit about how you got into doing what you're doing, maybe your Jesus story. 
Yeah, I grew up, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home and I was at church like 235 times a week. And most of that time was spent seeing which ministries had food and unguarded food tables um, as a child. And I, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if this resonates with anyone or not, or if, if this is what happened to you, but I felt the pull of God from when I was a small child. And I completely screwed it up a ton of times on the way between then and now. But I don't know, I can't explain it. God got a hold of my heart and has pursued me and forgiven me and loved me and brought me through. And I can't imagine, someone asked me a question recently in an interview, like, what would your life be like without God? I genuinely wouldn't know how to answer that question. Not because I'm like an amazing Christian, really just the opposite, because every time I've messed up or slipped up or tripped up, God has continued to pull me and call me and include me and welcome me and be gracious with me. And that's just my story. And um, did, did, that, did that correctly answer the question? <laughs> that is the correct answer, I Good. think. okay. It's incredible. I think, you know, I always just... Um, getting a chance to hear. It's special to have you tonight. We're going to talk. I want to dive into a conversation about the Bible, um, which may sound funny because I hope that would be the case every time that we gather. We're just, you, you know, find out pretty quickly. Hope it's, I hope it's not a surprise to you, but we're a community here that believes in the Bible. We believe that the Bible is special because it's one of the only books that you can read that as you open it, the author is also present with you as you're reading it. And we believe that every time that we open God's word, we also get a chance to hear God's voice. And so we make it a priority to gather around around the word of God tonight and what the Bible says. We believe what the Bible says about God is true. We believe what the Bible says about Jesus is true, about our lives, about people and the world that we live. All of that, we are Bible-believing people. I recognize that there's maybe people in the room tonight that may be you know, early on the journey of faith or maybe unsure about which parts of the Bible they would understand um, or which parts of the Bible they would feel like are relevant or, or even true. And I understand there's people in the room tonight that may not even consider themselves followers of Jesus. Tonight, maybe among any other Third Wednesday, is an incredible opportunity to hear from two people um, really just what this, what this all looks like. The whole purpose of the reason that we've gathered is to answer kind of this question, how do I follow Jesus as a young adult? And one of the things I want to dive into tonight is really this issue or this topic of, of God's word and speaking about the book itself, the Bible, because we're heading into this next season, um, which is going to be gathered around uh, a corporate study or a collection that we're calling Jesus in Action. I'm really excited. The team has put together um, a whole bunch of different resources. Actually, as early as tonight, you can head to our Instagram and download a journal that'll help you study through the book of Mark um, that we have. But as of uh, our, our group starting in just a week or so, you'll have journals available to walk you through. And there'll be moments of reflection and devotion um, that you can kind of unpack uh, through the book of Mark. There'll be group guides that are available. There'll be uh, our third Wednesday collections will be all centered around studying through the book of Mark together. You say, why would you study that book and not any other book of the Bible? And really, as we began to kind of figure out what it is that we wanted to do, part of the reason we've done these collections um, is to figure out that question. And I want to make sure that I'm not just following an idea of Jesus or a tradition of Jesus. I want to know that I'm following Jesus, the real person. And part of the book of Mark is really interesting because it's, it's, it's like Jesus in action. It's not just about um, the things that Jesus said, but Mark really puts an emphasis on what Jesus did. And I think that's cool because we get to watch the life of Jesus up close and to make sure that if we are committed to this journey of following Jesus, then we actually get to read and study and understand the life that Jesus lived. I'm really excited about this next series. I think it'll be an encouragement to you, a blessing to you. Um, but as we kick off, part of the reason, if I have it right, you wrote a book. 
And I did. The book is about all the ways the Bible talks about itself. Is that the, the subtitle? Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can you cue us in? Maybe what, what sparked that journey? Why, why, why that topic? Why that book? What came out of you know, the, the place maybe that you, things that you've learned or what started that um, need to write that book? Yeah, I was like watching a ton of like Kanye content and <laughs> he always is talking about himself and I find that very intriguing. And like, I'm not criticizing that. I'm a, I'm a yay fan, bro. Like, I'm on, I'm on Reddit. Like, I'm deep into it. Like, way far. Like, you would distrust me if you knew how far I was into it. And then I started thinking about this idea of, of, of art being self-referential. And then I was watching this Quentin Tarantino interview. And, um, but I've never seen any of his movies, though, because I'm a Christian. And I would never watch R-rated <laughs> content. But if I, if I had, then I would have understood. But it was this idea, again, of self... That was a joke. It was this idea, again, of... I've seen them all. It was this idea, again, of self-referential content. And I started thinking about the fact that God explains what the Bible is in the Bible. And you hardly ever get that. Usually you just get presented with like, here's an album, here's a movie, what is it? Well, what does it mean to you? But God tells us what it means. He tells us what it's about. And he also gives us pictures of what it is. So it says like in Psalm 119 that the Bible is like honey on your mouth. It says in Psalm 19 that the Bible is like silver refined seven times in a furnace. So they would like cook up this silver and they had to get it to like 900 degrees to get all this dross out of it, which is like this garbage that's inside the ore of silver. And then they would scrape it off of the top and then they would do it again to purify the silver into a perfect metal. And God, when he was thinking about the book that he wrote, said that the book that I wrote is like silver that's been refined seven times. This picture of perfect completeness of perfection. And then I just started writing essays about that when my kids were asleep um, because I'm a dork. And, and then I put them into a, a book, a collection, yeah. So talk to me, like, what, what in that process, those essays that were written, what, what, was there anything that you found, like, that you had really learned or things that came maybe to the surface as, as you're remembering of, like, man, this is something that I wish all people could understand about the Bible. Absolutely. I I was reading this thing in Jeremiah chapter one and Jeremiah is like the reluctant prophet. He like didn't want to do it. And God was like, no, 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 you're going to do it. I actually chose you from before the time you were born. And then God shows Jeremiah this vision and he shows him a vision of an almond branch. And then God's like, Hey, what do you see? And he's like, I see, I see this almond branch, which is like a triple picture First of all, the almond is the first plant to bud, but the last plant to bloom. And then also the word almond is similar to the word watch. And then he's like, I think this is like what's going on. And then God says, yeah, that's right. Because I am watching over my word to perform it. God said to him, I care about the things that I said and I'm gonna do all of them. So like the promises that I've made, the things that I've said, I'm gonna do all of them and I'm watching over them. I'm not like a father who said he was gonna pick you up and forgot. I'm not like a father who said he was gonna hang around and then left. I know that's a sensitive thing for people and that's not a joke. God is saying, I'm not like that. When I say something, I mean it. And then I was like, the whole Bible is what he said. He meant all of it. This is in a world of disinformation. This is and a perfect source of information that you can trust all of it. Hmm. And that's so rare and so beautiful. And I just hope that people grab onto that and understand that. 
That's really good. Thank you. I want to know, um, maybe, you know, one of the things that I've observed after a number of years in ministry is that there's sometimes an apprehension to the text, whether it be like, um, maybe people feel like they don't know where to start or maybe feel like they go, don't understand you know, more than half of it, like what's going on in the Bible. I think like maybe can you touch on or weigh into like why, why is there maybe such an, an biblical illiteracy among our generation and maybe some like encouragement to people if they are here tonight and they feel like, yeah, I'm kind of in that place where I don't, I don't know if, you know, the Bible's too traditional or it's, you know, difficult to understand. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the Bible's really complicated, right? Like, let's just be real. It's not like easy. You know, it was written in, in Hebrew and it was written in Greek and Greek is an inflected language, which means that multiple words are in the same word and you have to, it's, it's really complicated. I failed Greek three times in college. I would know. Um, it is a, <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I did. Um, it's a very complicated book, but you know what else is complicated? like Lord of the Rings and like the Marvel universe and all this stuff. And there's all these like nerds like me who read Elvish and they understand everything about Lord of the Rings. And they're like, they've read a bunch of Twilight novels or whatever garbage it is that people are reading now. There are people and just exposed right now. They're just shocked that this would be. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, Pastor, do you know about me? Um, I'll never go to this church again. Pastor mocked my favorite book series. Twilight. Um, <laughs> it means something to me. Um, <laughs> the Bible is complicated, but so yeah. is everything that we're fans of. It takes effort to be a part of a fandom. So it takes effort to like understand something. And it makes me sad because I meet these Christians at my church. They've been a Christian for 30 years. They've been a Christian for longer than you've been alive and they've never read the whole Bible. And the office is 90 hours long, and so is the Bible. And I don't, like, I don't want to make anyone feel guilty about that. That's not my intention. I got enough guilt at my conservative Christian Bible school that I grew up at. I have no <laughs> desire to load up any guilt and put it on your shoulders. Pray, pray for me. I'm clearly still in therapy about that. I... <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was nuts, dude. At my Christian grade school, if your hair was touching your ears as a boy, you were like a Vietnam draft-dodging hippie. It was insane. It was, it was wild. And uh, yeah, they're, they're like, can a pastor say that? Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, I have no desire to put any guilt on anyone's shoulders. Rather, right. to, to show people that you already exhibit the level of effort that it takes to understand a complex piece of art. Yeah. You already do that with the things that you like. Yep. So if you just direct it here, there's wonderful, wonderful tools from spirit-filled Christians who actually understand the original languages and understand Hebrew thought and can really teach them yeah. to you. And the only obstacle would, I suppose, be your willingness to gather a firm understanding of an entire book. And what better thing could you say at the end of your 20s or teenage years, if you're a teen, that you have spent your life diligently understanding the piece of art that God created? Yeah, really good. So one of the things, you know, that I think that I'll hear sometimes with people is they'll say, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. <laughs> or they'll say like, can you be a Christian and not attend church? I want to paraphrase that. Can you follow Jesus and not read the Bible? It's a great question, you know, and I, I resonate with some of those things. Like I don't always like Christians either. 
you know? I don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. they, they put, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned bumper stickers on their car. <laughs> and they eat... Terrible. Jesus-branded mints as if they're going to be saved because of it. And you're just like, I love you. Like, I'll be in heaven with you, but do I have to be on earth with you? Um, <laughs> It's true. Like, it's true. This front row is just laughing. Everybody else is like just perplexed. They're like, is this guy serious? Is this a real thing? Yes, these are, these are real things that he's referring to. Is it too much? No, no, no. Please, okay. take us there. Is this helping much? anybody? Yes. Okay. Did, did anybody else grow up Christian? This is just the kind of stuff that we deal with. The best, part of being a, the best part of being a Christian is God and, and, yes. and what God does to people. And it just so happens that church is a gathering place for a variety of people that do and don't love God. And that's okay. And I love all of them. But we all need to be growing closer to God. Your question was, can you be a Christian and not read the Bible? Sure, you can be a Christian and do a whole bunch of terrible things. Um, it doesn't mean you should. It doesn't mean that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will always lead you towards being like Christ always yeah and the Holy Spirit will always lead you towards reading and understanding the book that he wrote because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible and so if you are a Christian and you're like well I don't need this then you're wrong and praying to God will reveal that to you you yeah. don't need me to help you understand that pray to God and ask him if you need the Bible he will very calmly and repeatedly say yes uh, that's why I gave it to you <laughs> <laughs> Some, some people heard the voice of God tonight. There's, so I think of that verse where it's like, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, something I saw that you put on Instagram, I don't remember how long ago this was. I feel like it was just a few weeks ago, but you talked about losing your glasses and faith. Can you, can you unpack that for us again tonight? Sure, yeah, yeah. I like lost my glasses on a rope swing um, and then I couldn't find them. And then I was like, oh man, I need my glasses to find my glasses. The very thing that I need to find the thing I have lost is the very thing I have lost. And I've been thinking about that. And then I started thinking about faith and how you need faith to see faith and how like God gives you faith. You can't give birth to faith. Yeah and how faith comes from hearing the word of God and how the more faith you have, the more you see by faith. And then I just started thinking about people who are giving away their faith for nothing. And I was like, you're giving away the thing that you need to see how valuable it is. Yeah, so good. So talking then maybe to pivot towards the book of Mark. Yeah, we're all going to read it, hopefully, in your groups. In you know, we're going to spend some time the next couple months, really taking us through all the way to December, studying the life of Jesus. Um, maybe I'll just start there. Like, can you walk us through? Maybe give us a primer to the Book of Mark. What encouragement could you offer as we step into this season? Yeah, well, I think it's awesome that you guys are doing this. First of all, and I think you have an amazing pastor who's taking the time to create resources to help you study the Bible because it is complicated, but it 100% is worth it. And if I didn't say this already, I'm very honored to be here. And I'm very thankful to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. The book of Mark that you guys are going to study right now is so absolutely incredible because in it you get half 
Jesus as the suffering servant and half Jesus as the victorious sacrifice. And every one of the gospels gives like a different angle on Jesus, if that makes sense. That's why there's four of them, because they're like, this guy's the best guy ever. We can't just do one book on him. You know, he's not Solomon, whatever, <laughs> Moses. It's like, we get it, right? Like, it, they got to do yeah. all four of them, and each one gives its own angle. Mark is the most action-packed one of all of them, and um, I created a bunch of resources, and I wanted to share a resource with you. So there's a QR code, I think, that they're going to put up on the screen that I brought. I did these... Um, overviews of the books of the Bible. And so I have, that's gonna lead you to a video that is an overview of the book of Mark. So if you would like to see me when I had more of my hair and um, <laughs> when I was less sarcastic, then you can look at that. And I, it's like a seven minute overview of the whole book. And I created that because I, and, and brought that with me today because I really wanted to bless you guys yeah. in your study. And God rewards the diligent. God says in his word that he rewards and blesses those who diligently study. And so as you guys are doing this, I would just encourage you for whatever it's worth from a guy from Phoenix, I have never regretted time that I have spent diligently yeah. studying the Bible. Right. You can't get to the bottom of it. It isn't an art piece that you get to the end of and you're like, I think I got it. The more I read the Bible, the more I want to. Yeah. And the more I read, the more I feel like I'm really excited to learn and understand. So I brought that piece of, of content for you guys and, and I hope that it blesses you. And I think that it's awesome that you're gonna study the book of Mark together. There's a lot of, I mean, that'll lead you, I think, to YouTube, right? But that, there's a lot of great yeah. content that you have. You've, you've you know, spent some time not just being pastoral in a congregational setting, but you know, pastoral even through some of the content that you put out online. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if you felt this. One thing that I've, I've observed, just to go off of what you're saying about like kind of never reaching the end of this, um, you know, really the, the knowing about God. One of the things I've just found in my own, my own faith journey is that anytime my knowledge of God deepens, so does my worship. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, we kind of hold these things at opposite ends, but they really do work together in the sense of like, anytime that I found that I learned something new about God, it's like my, my eyes open up to a whole new dimension about who he is. And it's this idea that like, you know, God. So I had, I remember a number of years ago, I was reading and there's that um, picture that the uh, Apostle John gives to us in the book of Revelation, singular, um, about the throne room of heaven. And he says he has this picture of the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, you know, we hear that in church and it's kind of become like, uh, oh, yeah, that's like the thing that happens. And I always remember being like, like that happens for eternity, like that sounds boring. Like that's, you know, this, that's it forever. And I, I remember thinking about that and meditating on that, but then realizing like part of the picture, I think that the, the writer would want to give to us is that every time the angels there pass the throne of God, they see a new dimension about who he is. And the only response they have is to go, holy, holy, holy. Like it's, it's like, there's this end that God can never be fully discovered he can be known better, but he can't be known maybe fully. Right. And it's, it's, it's like every time, like you're saying, there's like pieces that open up and it's like my, my hunger for God grows and my worship of God deepens. And that's just really simple. I don't think like there's, there's never enough good things you can say about God. Like you can try and use the most creative language that you have, the, the, you can open up a thesaurus and use all of the, the, the different synonyms for good. And it still wouldn't be enough to describe how good God is. 
And one of the things we, you know, we've even done this in our Bible colleges. I'll, I'll encourage people in worship. Maybe we'll do this here tonight is to spend 30 seconds or one minute trying your best to say as many good things about God as you can. And then to realize that in that time frame, even our language is limited to actually describing how good God is. And that's kind of what the picture of the Bible opens up to us is there's a story that God has written and a story that God is writing even in our lives. And it gives us this picture to, to help worship God more truly and worship God more fully. And man, that ought to be, I think, the, the goal for all of us here tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus to, to understand, man, I wanna know more about the God that I serve. And I wanna know more about this God that I'm worshiping. And then there's this thing that happens where as we do that, there's pieces of his character and himself that's formed within us. Um, what do you wish more Christians could know about following Jesus? Is there an area maybe that they get it wrong that you would maybe want to speak to the capital C church in maybe not correcting, but maybe encouraging, or, or is there a piece that you like wish maybe even people here tonight that, that wouldn't say I'm in that camp, but maybe even speaking to them tonight? Yeah, man, I wish that more people understood um, how much Jesus wants to answer our prayers hmm. and how much God desires to give and bring good things into your life and how yeah. much careful, humble, repeated prayer changes the world yeah. and how much, or it changes you. And there's this parable that Jesus tells about this woman and he says that she was having some issues and so she kept going to the courthouse and like beating on the door and she's like, just like fix this problem for me. And then the judge is like, lady, I'm busy. Hmm. Like, leave me alone. But she just keeps going there and she's like, fix this problem for me. And so eventually the judge gets so irritated with her that he just fixes the problem, not because he cares about her, but because he wants her to stop knocking on the door and then Jesus says, do that, but with God. Yeah. And the word that he uses is a word called impudence. And the word impudence is a negative word, which means a person that is unconcerned with how someone will feel with their repeated requests. And he says, huh. pray like that. Wow. And I just wonder how many Christians have things on their heart and they pray about it once a week or once a quarter. And I just wonder, I, I genuinely wonder what would happen if people took Jesus up on what he yeah, said. so good. And say, I'm gonna pray an amount that if someone texted me would be irritating to me. Because <laughs> God said, that's okay. Yeah. He said, it's okay. He said, I love you. I'm not bothered by you. And if God doesn't want to answer the prayer, he just won't. And he'll send messages to you. He'll teach you. He'll instruct your heart. He'll change your heart. He'll give you something better or something different yeah. that you weren't expecting. But he won't not answer and he won't be bothered by you. Yeah, it's so good. And even, you know, just praying one time and maybe not hearing anything doesn't mean that God you know, is, is silent or distant, but maybe there's, you know, sometimes I've, I've just found, I've, I'll speak personally. I found this in my own life that sometimes God's silence is actually an invitation to go deeper, you know, and it's not just like the him being closed off, 
but it's actually like there, there's a, a different level of even pursuit in that. Absolutely, and the Bible says God's, uh, God's ways are not our ways and yeah. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why God doesn't answer the first time. I just know that almost always he doesn't, and yeah. he's explained to us to yeah. just kind of keep rolling with it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So you talked about like our heart. Let me ask about God's heart then. One of the things, you know, I think it's a recent course that you've done about journey really through the book of Psalms and talking about songs that touched God's heart. Um, Does God have like a greatest hits album or is there like, is there, what is God looking for in his people? Yeah. You know, as I read the Psalms and Psalms has been my favorite book of the Bible, I like 90% of the time I read, I've read the Bible in the last three years, I've been reading the book of Psalms. I'm obsessed with it. It's amazing. Everybody knows kind of like the big ones, which is like 23, the shepherd one, or like 100, like the praise one. But there's some intense stuff in there. Like David says that he wants to bathe his feet in the blood of his enemies in the book of Psalms. And like that one usually doesn't get taught. They certainly don't teach that one in Sunday school. There's no like flannel graph characters for that, for kids church at Sunday (laughs) school. And the Psalms is a record of how ridiculously willing God is to hear absolutely everything that you you're thinking and feeling and how God actually likes that and how your emotions aren't meant to be bottled up and shoved down, but rather we're meant to bring them to God. That prayer is a form of therapy. That journaling is something that every single one of my counselors has told me to do. And when I read the Psalms, I see Holy Spirit inspired journaling. I see a person who says, like it's Psalm three or four, I can't remember. He's like, today was awful, basically. I hated it. Hmm. And then he writes about that. And then he says, but I'm going to turn my attention to you. Yeah. I'm going to thank the God of my salvation. I'm going to bless the name of God. And then he says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone. O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And there's something there. And there's something that like society is obsessed with just vent all your feelings all the time and like Twitter rant and that's not good. Or like, like many of us, myself included, I just bottle everything up and then yeah. I'm like, where did that dent in the wall come from? Uh, that's a couple years worth of feelings. Uh, and we're not meant to do that. And I see God says that David was a man after his own heart and the Psalms are filled with his emotional, stunning confessions and ramblings. And I, I love it, and I'm, I'm here for it. And it's, it's almost like there's permission in the book of Psalms to bring our whole emotional experience before God. We don't have to pretend like every time we get in God's presence, we have it all together, or pretend like things are yeah. better than we are. Like, I just, I mean, there's, there's a freedom in knowing like God never asks us to like sanitize yeah. our suffering. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so many therapists and mental health professionals are saying that a lot of the depression in our society is people who have pushed all of their anger down inside. Like that goes somewhere. You can't see it, but it's a thing and it sits in you. And many people have horrific traumas from the childhood. They had rough goes with their dad or whatever. And that's horrible. And all that stuff, man, it's in you. It's just sitting there and it is going to come out in some way And I just really firmly believe that God doesn't want us to live like that. God is angry. The Bible says that God is a God who gets angry every single day. And we hardly ever let ourselves get angry. 
So there's like that was the thing. The, well, it's I mean it's really it's profound actually what you're talking about and and I think there's you know maybe a lot of us are wrestling with some things maybe even hearing tonight like some of you could tell he's been reading, he's been reading, and there's you could tell like I think that maybe a lot of us are are hearing some of these concepts or hearing some of these ideas and going man there's like just this internal maybe like wrestle that's happening and I think like part of um, you know all of this is is understanding that like all of man like God knows your heart and he knows what's going on on the inside of you. He's not distant. Even, even his name is like the picture the Bible gives to us is it's closer than our very breath is. And like God is, is present with you. And, you know, even in, in the midst of profound difficulty and pain, that's part of what I believe is really the jewel of the Christian faith is it allows us to hold both intention, not to neglect, the hard parts of life or to, like I said, to try and like suppress or sanitize the real pain and evil in the world, but yet to hold that intention with the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that is found in Jesus. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's, it's, it's in being connected to Jesus that's produced through us. It's, it's not just something that we can like, if we pretend like this doesn't exist, this will show up. You know, it's not like if we just pretend like I'm not going through difficulty, then maybe I'll be a happier person. It's not the way that works. It's actually holding the two intention and understanding that even when life is most difficult, I know that God is with me, that God is for me, that he's close. And even in moments where I am, you know, can have life is amazing and life is joyful. I point back to the one where every good and perfect gift comes from. And I think, man, I just, there's like a, there's a, there's a jewel there in following Jesus that it's, it is really good news. There is. And I, I just love what Jesus himself said. He yeah. said, here's why I came, that you would have life yes. and have it abundantly. And I've been praying for a year, God, there are parts of my life that don't feel like abundant life. Wow. And good. Jesus, you care about all of me. So I'm asking you to bring it to me. Hmm. And I don't know when he's going to do that, but he said he would. And so why would I stop asking for it? Yeah, no, it's, it's powerful. What a, what, a, what a great challenge maybe to go home with tonight is to think about the areas of your life that don't feel abundant. The areas of, the, of your, your life that feel like you are enduring and not abounding. And maybe to think, man, just to submit those things, maybe not even in prayer, but just to bring them before God. God, this is what I feel, full stop. And God, this is what the areas of my life that I feel like I'm just, I'm just striving. I'm just enduring. I feel like this is difficult for me. And I believe though, that this is what you wanted for me. And then maybe to take that next step and say, God, is there maybe, what are you teaching me? Or, or how can I live in a life that is abundant? Like it's tonight's celebration night, right? It should be, there should be a cause for all of us. I've said this before, that the way that Christianity fights its enemies is by rejoicing through them. And there should be, I think a sense here tonight that if you are a follower of Jesus, that we do have a reason to celebrate. Maybe if you're not, I'm telling you that there is a hope to be found in Jesus. If there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a celebration, there's a rejoicing quality to life that you can know that my life is meant to be joy and joy to the fullest. It's only in a relationship with Jesus. Um, I want to know, maybe if you, you can put this up for me, guys. Mark chapter one, this is what we're going to go into. And I want to ask you maybe one final question before we close tonight. But I want to read this because this is how the book of Mark starts. And it says that from the very beginning, this is Jesus in action. Mark doesn't even waste even, there's no setup. There's no introduction. He said, this is the good news of Jesus. The message begins here. 
And it says, watch closely. I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He'll make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert, prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. Obviously the words of John the Baptist, there talking about the arrival of Jesus. I wanna know um, that word there as it talks about the good news. It's the word gospel. Maybe in, in, in summary tonight, talking about a relationship with Jesus, talking about knowing God more deeply. Can you explain to us maybe what, what's the gospel, what's the good news, and what, what makes it so good? Yeah, the good news is that unlike every other segment of society where you have to perform <laughs> to get something, so where good. you have to do well to achieve something, where you have to be a good student to get the diploma, or a good athlete to get mm. the commendation from the coach, or a good employee to get the raise or the promotion, that God's economy doesn't work like that that God gave Jesus as a sacrifice for all people of all time, of all age, because he's good. And it went forth from his heart as a free offering into the universe. And if you believe in it, you can have new life. And that's the thing that's so wild about it. And that's why so many people don't believe it because they don't want a new life. They're happy with their life. Wow. Wow. And that's why Christians, that's why Christianity is filled with the outcasts and the weirdos and the people who didn't fit and the people who recognize that I may have slipped up, tripped up, failed, lost the game. I might not be who I thought I was. I might not be what I think I should be. I probably am not. I certainly am not. Um, Hmm. But God loves me right where I'm at. Yeah. That God doesn't love the sanctified you. He loves the sinful you. Wow. Wow. And there's, there's, there's really something there. That's the most precious truth there is. Yeah, that's true. Can we say thank you to Pastor Landon tonight? Incredible. Thank you so much.